Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that wasn't offline for six or eight hours on Wednesday and could make its own phone calls. I'm Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Ram Page, Esquire, if you don't mind. The man of straw, the uh, scarecrow, the person with dried grass stuffed in their sleeves. I don't know, something like that. Maybe this strawman.com thing. I just, I think there might be something to it. I think there is, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking something along the lines of non-public... Um, Right, membership-based organisation. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. Uh, probably online only. Online I, I that makes sense. Yeah, what would, modern, you, what would you focus age? on as a membership business? I'd, um, I don't, I don't know. I've got to workshop it. I've right, got, I'll get right. the whiteboard out. Okay, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll brainstorm it. <laughs> we'll thought shower it, and uh, away we go. <laughs> You're pretty good at, at this investment stuff, mate. You can probably roll that in as well. I reckon. There's an idea there. There's yeah, we'll, there. There. we'll see what we can uh, have, do. Have a think. If you do come up with something, please let us know because I, I am mindful that Alice's probably don't know much about what you do in your day job. They certainly wouldn't know who you work for or what it does. So uh, maybe yeah. maybe just kind of bring that to the fore would be useful. I'll, that- I'll get the PR team on it. <laughs> do that if you wouldn't mind. The strategy department should be doing plenty of work. Strategy department, yeah. Uh, speaking right. of strategy departments of PR teams, how, how would you like to be in those groups at Optus right now? Oof. <laughs> Well, I don't know if they have a strategy team, do they? <laughs> well, if they, they, what's what's the strategy anyway, here, guys? Yeah, yes, like know. you know, like and not, let's not forget, it was a year ago mm. that you kind of had a bit of a wake up call, right? Like if there was any time that you kind, well, maybe we should have some procedures in place for when <laughs> things go wrong. Well, and this wasn't a hack, uh, it seems at Apparently, this stage. Yes, um, but but you would kind of think, okay. <laughs> Something's wrong. Mm. Here's a you know step one: mm. call the communications minister and the ombudsman. You know, let them know. Yep. Two: yep. communicate with your customer. Three: do, do, do. I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not in the war room. But I imagine mm. it feels as though it's sort of like a whole bunch of frantic phone calls went around, and everyone was sort of like, oh, I don't really know. And the CEO. It was funny how how little the CEO was actually even out there communicating to to the nation as well. And look, I get it. I get it's a bit of a first world kind of problem, but. There are consequences with it when yep. there's you can't dial triple zero yep. and hospital systems are relying on on the. I mean, in the year 2023, this is this is not a oh I can't get onto my Yahoo chat forum to talk about whether <laughs> Captain Kirk or Picard is the better you know captain right. of the Enterprise. Like Twenty eight point eight megabit uh, dial up. No, <laughs> it was it was it um, was it bits per second was it? Yeah, megabits a second, I think something like that. Uh, dial-up modem. Uh, you a, know, yeah. it's a, it is it is it is critical infrastructure, yeah. and yeah, it's a, it was it was just it was look things happen. Networks go down. Yeah. I don't think you can fault anyone for that, but the it, it's just it, it was notable how poor the response was, and especially in light of the. You know, the big hack that happened last year, mm. you think that would have really sharpened their, forced them to sharpen their pencils in terms of what we do in a situation oh, God, like yeah. or similar to Someone's this. got to have said, hey, we've just been through that. Let's write the book. And as soon as something else happens, <laughs> hopefully it never happens. But when it does, the things we've learned are this. And so as soon as we know we're going to yeah. press this button and make this happen, it's it's not a difficult yeah. one, is it? You think about it. I, um, <laughs> I, I did have to laugh though, mate, because uh, the government's announced an inquiry. Oh, inquiry. Which is, you know, wonderful. That, I think... Uh, I'm so depressed with our leadership. Like, why? You, we elect you to make a decision. Make a bloody decision. Like, I, you know, you might make the wrong decision. Or what? What it is is backside covering. Of course, it's PR. Because it's pure PR. It, yeah, it's like well, we, we've, it's it's the it makes us 
it's the illusion of action mm-hmm. without actually doing anything. Exactly what it is. That, that's what it is. And then, and then you can, and then the, tri- the, the thing that I would be more on board with the millionth inquiry if you actually enacted any of the recommendations of the inquiry. Mm-hmm. That's the frustrating part. A, you don't make any decision. You, you do these. This big inquiry that costs God knows how much money it costs and takes how long it takes. And then after oh. all is said and done, they go, well, this is what we think happened. This is what we think you should do. Like, yeah, I'm not going to do any of that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know so what, they, what was the point? Yeah, You know what they really want? They want to be able to say, A, we're doing something. Then B, the poor CEO will have to come to some sort of Senate inquiry and give evidence where they get to shout nasty things at the, at the CEO so they sound like they're on yep. the side of the punter. And then it all goes away and they tick the box and go, yep, the government's doing something. Thank goodness. The PR thing drives you nuts. I, it's this theatre. It's theatre. You know, it's, totally it's, um, it's, it's all it is. Yep. I can't get as worked up as most people about it, though, Matt, I've got to say. Oh, yeah? Well, first world problem. And you're right. You can't draw triple yep. zero. That's a big deal. Um, and, you know, medical stuff relies on it. So it's, I'm not saying it's not important or not, not, you know, consequential. I just, it's a bloody phone system. Like, you know what I mean? At, at some level, the things we take for granted, speaking of first world problems, as you say, just the things we take for granted and expect and some that, I, I'm a big fan of, of, you know, governments getting involved in things where they're needed, whether that's provision of services, where competition doesn't work, a whole lot of different things. Mm. I'm just not entirely sure that, I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it, it's not the world's biggest catastrophe when a mobile phone network goes down for six or eight hours. I just, I just, I just don't. I can't get, I, I'm, an, I'm a Telstra customer, so maybe, maybe that's why. I just can't get worked up at it. It's like, oh, the phone's down. Okay, we'll be back up soon and then we'll get on with our lives. Yeah. And the bloody hullabaloo and the, you know, the government inquiries, the government should do something about it. And I don't know, I just, yeah. I just can't, I cannot, I cannot honestly get worked up about it. Oh, look, when you see what's going on around the world, right, there are worse problems to have right. than, than <laughs> not having internet access for eight hours. I agree. I mean, I just, I feel as though, um, I mean, Optus, if I can say this with in a um, without getting into legal trouble, oh is a pretty rubbish service provider, uh, in my opinion. I'm allowed to have an opinion, aren't I? There it is. Uh, hopefully, and I, 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 I said, that or we'll do the next podcast from your jar cell. We'll see how we go. <laughs> well, look, I just fa- we've been with them for ages, and the irony the irony of ironies is is that. <laughs> We we regularly wake up and the internet's just down, mm. and it takes forever for them to even acknowledge that it's down. And all you get is a turn it off and on again. Like literally, that's the response you get. No, it looks like it's up. It's at your end. Mm. And then three mm. hours later, you get a text saying, "We've noticed that the internet is down in your area. Please be be patient while we deal." You know, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but funnily enough, on Wednesday, we were down for an hour, and then we had the internet for the rest of the day. So, you know, I just I so yours know. is up else's. Yeah, I think wow. so. It felt it go. felt like it. There you go. But yeah, I mean, I do, I do take your point though. The amount of push notifications I got from my various news apps and the rest I was like, gosh, you oh, know, man. serious stuff is yeah. going down. And I huh. and I get I, the thing is, I get people were upset by it. I, my, my my starting point is maybe we should look at ourselves for getting upset by a six or eight hour outage like that. You know what I mean? So it's not that people weren't upset; they were. And I'm sure it was great talkback fodder. And I'm sure the, the newspaper's got plenty of clicks and all. Actually, I'm sure the government will. Someone say, "Oh, good, the government's doing something about it. Thank God, because that bloody optus." Da, 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 da. And I just kind of think, I don't know, mate. I, we we have a lot of let's let's comment on social policy for a second, shall we? Uh, there's sure. a, there's a lot of important things in the world, and there's a lot of important things in life. And I swear to God, if your if your favourite outrage is your telco was down for six hours or whatever it was, I don't know how long it was. Mm. I just honestly like you know it was inconvenient, sure, annoying, sure. But you know what? We still have health and life and we live in a wonderful country and we have food yeah, on the table, mate, everything else. We're not, we're not pulling our kids out from underneath building rubble. Right. You know, like it's Absolutely. a bit of context is sometimes needed. Yeah. And even, you know, 
and the things that do matter in the country. We, you know, I'm not saying we don't have any issues, but if you want to get outraged about issues, go for it. Even then, mm. Optus is number 482 because there's a million things mm. that you should be saying, you know what, that's not okay. That needs to be fixed. And if you want to spend yeah. time ranting about a, a, a private telco down for six or eight hours, when you have a choice of three majors and whatever else, uh, and there's everything else going on in the country, let alone, as you say, around the world, I don't know, mate. I just, I, I just cannot, I cannot get worked up about it. I just, I, I'm worked up with people who are worked up, but I can't get worked up about a bloody a mobile phone. It's like, God, I mean, what, how long ago? 30 years ago, we didn't have mobile phones. And now yeah. all of a sudden we want you know, heads to roll because you know, our, our precious internet access went down for six hours. Like, get a grip, people. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess where it's a little bit. I mean, it is a utility. It's a critical infrastructure yeah. utility. I I do feel that for whatever reason, maybe it's this. It's a question of scale mm. and how big we are as a country and how concentrated we are. But we do. T- you've made the observation many times that we do tend to be a land of duopolies or oligopolies. You know, there's four major banks. There's two major telcos there's two major shopping um uh, grocery providers you know there's there is a fin- there's only two real airlines you know there's these kinds of things that we don't get the diversity of competition in other countries mm. and that's a whole other topic right there but i think a lot of these companies they just get really lazy in terms of their yes. investment yes, yes. and the wake-up call they should have had from the hack last year to <laughs> invest in some diagnostic systems know, for one. Exactly. How about that, you know? Oh. Um, you do wonder how you can't know. And I, I, I'm sure this is stupidly complex. I'm sure there are infrastructure engineers yelling at the podcast machine right now. Uh, they, they, by the way, would still call it a podcast machine because they're clever infrastructure engineers, not people who think uh-huh. that somehow it's not a, not a podcast machine. Um, I, you do wonder. Like, I, And again, I, I know, I'm sure there are absolutely reasons why, but as you, to your point, a, a network this big Surely the point one is, hey, if something goes down, how will we know what it was? Oh, we can't. Okay, let's fix that. It seems like it seems like you know the second or third thing a CEO might ask when they walked in the door. Kate, can you remind me? I'm trying to desperately trying to research on the fly here. Mm. So Optus is owned by Singtel. Yep, Singapore Telecom. <coughs> so I just went, I googled it, optus.com.au slash about, and then it's got an <laughs> investors section. Yeah. Uh, da 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 da. We are owned you know, by Singtel. For more information, visit Singtel's website. All right, cool. Uh, this website cannot be reached. Like, Doesn't that say it all? <laughs> oh, no. Does that not say it oh, all? Oh, right? that's it, great. That but I, I want to, uh, you might know, the reason I'm, I'm sort of like desperately trying to look here, but I've got a feeling that it's been a pretty awful uh, experience for investors um, o- over a reasonable long length of time. I could be slandering uh, unnecessarily <laughs> here. So, so I, I will say check, Singtel's but- share price is down 24% over the past five years. Oh, uh, and is actually down 4% since September 2005, which is as far back as Google takes me just to, with a really quick look. Uh, okay. It's down, that, was my, that was my guess. So yeah. I'm happy to have that validated. Down about 40% yeah. since April 2015, which was the high. Yep. So there you go. Now, now I, I, I feel as though there's, there's something awry here when mm. there is such concentration in a sector it says that there are either incredible scale advantages that are just naturally emergent yeah. from, the, from the industry itself. And I think that was probably a case when you had to sort of lay all the cables and wires and everything yourself. Mm. These days, it's the national broadband network. It's public infrastructure mm-hmm. that anyone can clip, clip into. Mm-hmm. So it feels as though, why is it that we have allowed such important critical infrastructure to be run by just one company when 
they have clearly um, not delivered on, on a number of, like for investors, yeah. for their all stakeholders, really. I don't know what I'm trying to suggest here or what the solution mm. might be, but is, is there not a problem when we have, are people right to be a little bit outraged when through, maybe it's not public policy, maybe it is just an accident and a quirk of the industry structure, but, but through whatever means, we have allowed a pretty sleepy, slow, sluggish company to be in tr charge of so many things that are clearly not doing what needs to be done. I don't know. Do you know what's interesting, mate? I, I'd, I'd have to think more deeply about it, but I actually think there is something actually about the, the the net end result of capitalism in some categories where you have high capital intensity and really significant economies of scale and, and not so much network effects per se, but, but that idea of kind of the, the feedback loops. Because I don't know that, I don't know that Optus as a business is a failure. I think this is possibly indicative of a market or a sector that maybe doesn't, a competition is not a great attribute for. And let me kind of let me kind of spell it mm -hmm. out because if you think about it, so so these guys are the one of the two dominant players, and yet the share price has gone nowhere. This is Singtel, not just Optus, but gone nowhere. In fact, gone backwards since two thousand and five, right? So what that tells me is that this is not an industry where value is being captured by the incumbents. Mm. In that circumstance, you actually would expect fewer competitors because there is no benefit to compete. And I think there's probably something about the. Um, I'm going to suggest there's something about the commoditization of the service. So think about airlines as well in the same vein. Mm. Um, you have a commodity, very commoditized service, i.e. you press the button and the, the phone rings or you can access the internet. Yep. Even even mobile. Um, yes, there's a slide between Telstra and Optus's coverage map, but it's not even that different. So if you don't have a particularly differentiated product, and you probably can't with call services and internet access, so let's, let's say that's true. Again, feel free mm. to disagree with it. Let's say that's true. Mm. Um, then what happens? Well, people want the lowest price. And I don't know that this is not exactly what you would expect. If you'd have said, if you'd have been able to accurately describe 10 years ago the circumstances, and then someone would say, so what's going to happen is there'll be fewer and bigger. They still won't make any money because it's a commoditized service. And the fight for volume is such that the price will remain low and there's no super margins, no super profits made by anybody. Everyone's going to compete on price. So then what do you do? Well, the incentive then is to try and remove unnecessary costs and not overinvest in the network because you're not being rewarded for doing better than the other guy. You know, mm. no one cares about the... No, no one could have quoted to you the uptime before yesterday or before Wednesday, the uptime of any of the big telcos. Everyone would have said, mm. well, they're all a bit the same. Telstra's coverage are probably a bit better, but it costs you a bit more. Who do you want to go with? And people will make their own decisions. Now, I live in the regional area, so I'm with Telstra because I'm going to have less dropouts. Mm -hmm. I was in the city. I'd probably be with Optus or somebody else, some, some reseller or something else. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, I actually, I think at some level, this is the maybe like politics. We kind of maybe we get what we deserve. We we want to pay the cheapest price. We mm -hmm. don't factor in trying to work out who's got the best network or the most reliable network because we don't need to worry about because it it's commoditized. Just like airlines, right? Everyone gets from A to B. It's mm -hmm. all it's all governed by the Civil Aviation Authority. They're all as safe as each other, relatively speaking, other than Aeroflot mm -hmm. and you know something else. Um, mm. And so I'm going to go the cheapest price. And then you go the cheapest mm. price and Qantas says, well, we better outsource maintenance then because we, we want to mm. make, make some more money. And they, oh, we could probably get away with four hour customer service because, you know, when there's not that competition, there's no incentive for it. 
I'm not sure if this is not stock market failure, but I'm not entirely sure it's a particularly ringy endorsement for capitalism in these sectors that, where it should promote competition, better service, better outcomes. Uh, yeah. Or maybe it, did, maybe it does. The other way to look at it is exactly what I just said, except it's perfect capitalism because we're exactly getting what we pay for and we're paying for what we think we want and the market's working perfectly. You know, we, We're not paying extra. Who's, who's paying $25 a month more for their phone because mm. a, a, a provider promises more uptime? You kind of go, well, 98% is kind of like 99. I'll take it. I'll, I'll save 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then when Optus goes down, one, you know, the proverbial hits the rotating device yeah. on the ceiling. And, uh, and you know, maybe, maybe that's exactly what capitalism is, is we're getting exactly what we pay for. The things we the things we care about only happen after the fact, but we were happy to get the cheaper prices for the last two years while we waited. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I totally hear all of that, actually. I don't have an easy answer. It's, there is something... If we're here talking about the manufacture of coffee cups or something, it's, things are different, right? Like there is there is enough. Um, the way things work mm. there is a random example. Are likely to result in some really good outcomes for consumers. Mm. Lots of choice. There's profit to be made for the ones that operate the best. The ones that don't operate poorly go out of business. It's the natural yep. kind yep. of way yep. of things and the, how things sort of move forward. But it, it's different when it comes to utilities, isn't it? We yeah. only have. I'm in Sydney. Um, we have Sydney water. Yep. I mean, I don't have 12 different providers. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Right. And, and I, I turn the tap and it always comes on. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and no one, I don't, even the most ardent capitalist is going to say, no, we need to open that up to the free market. And we need, you know, yeah. and we have 12 different companies. Yeah, that's right. That's know, right. Digging, all over digging trenches yeah, yeah, and exactly. putting pipes to every house. It, it yeah. doesn't make yeah. any sense. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know either. I do wonder if it's some, it needs to be, this is where these edge cases where, I am more an interventionist, yeah. although I'm hyper aware of how difficult that is. Mm-hmm. Well-meaning bureaucrats yes. can really make a situation a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I wonder if, it is, is, if it's not more about disincentive. So like mm. we're going to make someone the Earl of telecommunications and they're going to do it and they're going to get paid really well for it. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. really make sense for, you know, but I tell you what, if it goes wrong, yes. you personally have some, have some liability that's there. You know, so more the disincentive than the yeah, incentive kind of thing. Or, or a but minimum, minimum, st- minimum service level type stuff where there is, even just, just a payment, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you're on a telco Australia, you must be up 99.999% of the time. Yes. If you're down for longer than that, you've got to pay a million dollars per minute you're down or something. It's Perfect. It focuses the mind on making sure these things get done. That's I, I, think, I think that's right, mate. I think that's right because, and here's, here's the problem, right? The things this is this is consumers for all the thing about the market being right. We are not the same people every day. So yesterday we wanted the cheapest possible phone plan, or Tuesday we wanted the cheapest possible phone plan. By Thursday we wanted perfect uptime, and it's kind of like, well, you guys wanted the cheaper prices when we offered them to you, and so you know the things we we think we want and the things we say we want and the things we expect are all very different things. And as I said, not even not even at the time, but over time. Our preferences, our views change. It's like, uh, you know, the, the company that has the lazy balance sheet. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, yes. You know, oh, you're lazy balance You've got too much cash. You're not getting good returns on that cash. Go and use the money. And then the downturn comes like, what do you mean you haven't got any cash? Why have you got so much debt? I, you know, you, you didn't run this conservatively enough. Same, same yeah. investor will have two very, very different views based yeah. on the subsequent circumstances. And I think there is a bit of a question around what we should as a country want our governments to do and then what the government should then choose to do, I'm not sure of the answer. Uh, that that kind of you know uh, regime, as you say, where you kind of if you if you're a certain entity uh, that you do a, you do a certain thing, you might telecommunications, electricity, mm. water, whatever it is, you have these obligations, and there are punitive pen- penalties. By the way, 
that means the rest of us are going to have to pay more for our phones every other month. Yeah. Because, you know, Optus is not going to say, oh, fine, I'm on the hook for a billion dollars, but I'll still let you have a $20 a month phone plate. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not going to be $30 a month because I've got a gold plate this thing to make sure it never, ever, ever goes down. And I've got to say, yeah. mate, that's, on one hand, I get your point about maybe we should penalize them. Mm. I'm not even sure, though, if you, if you add that up, how much, how much more would we have collectively paid for phone services over the last 10 years to mm. avoid an eight hour outage at Optus? Yeah. And you kind of think, yeah, well, true. actually, I'm not entirely sure. It's, that's why I kind of, that, that, back to the average, I'm like, how much, how much would we, should we have paid? And there, mm. there's, a, there's, I mean, that's, that's the COVID lesson, right? I, I don't know the answers, but I do know we were woefully underprepared. Now, mm. for 100 years, we didn't have to be prepared. What was the cost mm. of that versus the cost of what COVID wrought on us? What mm. would we choose differently next time? I'm not still sure I know the answer to that question. But again, that temporal difference of the person I am today, the person I am tomorrow and yesterday and how my views change based on circumstances, there's a bit of maturity needed from all of us to say how much more, literally, how much more would you pay for your phone plan if you knew it was never going to go down? Yeah. And that is, yeah. if not, well, nothing. I'm happy to, in fact, I bet you, if you'd asked on Tuesday, what's it, if I charge you $5 a month more, so that the phone, the, the Optus wouldn't go down once in the next five years for eight hours, would you pay it? Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. 90% of people say, no, nah, I'll take the chance. I don't mind, I'll take the risk. And then what happens yeah. like, oh my God, you people are terrible. Why didn't you fix this for me? There's, there's yeah. something to the culture of that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would imagine given the nature of these networks, they, the cost is fractionalized so, you know, across 10 million different customers. So it might, it might be that it's sort of like, well, actually the added cost of a bit more robustness is an extra two percent, not not you know, twenty five to thirty five dollars a month. It's yes, like exactly. well, from twenty five to twenty seven fifty. Correct, correct. That might How be much? a different conversation. Yes, exactly. um, but you know what we need, mate? Um, we need an inquiry. <laughs> Just as well we're having one, man. That'll we get to the need of it. an inquiry once and for right all. Now. And as my people. first act as minister is to initiate an inquiry. <laughs> They're going to report back in uh, December of twenty twenty six. Yeah, and then I'm just going to like election. bury it. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Exactly. No, so if, no, so if the government had an inquiry, Matt, what they would do is they'd spend a year and they get like bureaucrats and infrastructure engineers and business people and they sit them down and they say, look, this is not about politics. This is about just uh, print us some options and, and you know, let, let's let the Australian people make a really thoughtful, serious discussion about the, this policy issue. So what's It's not about happen. the optics. It's not about the Senate committee. It's not about a CEO getting dragged over the coals so the polls get their 15 seconds of fame on the nightly news. This is about yep. proper policy public policy where we actually care about the outcomes we want to make the country better that's what an inquiry would do would, would, uh, we, of course it would oh. yep sign me up yeah. I'm there good I'm, I'm sure that's... <laughs> oh kill me now hey um oh, let's kill me now yeah <laughs> speaking of that let's move on to uh, the other big news of the week mate uh, and again by the way if, if the opposite outrage can take over from the interest rate decision less than what was it 14 hours later uh, you know we've got attention span issues. With design, we, that, we know you one thing at a time, so right? true. Isn't uh, that so true? It's like the bloody, uh, you know, the war in the Middle East. We used to talk about Ukraine. Now, now we can only kind of keep one conversation ahead at the same time. So no one, oh, Ukraine, that's, what, that's yesterday. We're talking about Israel now. It's like, well, maybe interest rates tomorrow and then it'll be oh telcos the day after. Anyway, yeah, yeah. interest rates did go up by 25 basis points. 0.25% to 4.35%. We all know that by now. Uh, it took NAB about actually less than 24 hours to put the uh, the first increase through. Uh, they kind of seem to take it in turns. There's no collusion, obviously, but it's one of those things where it's like, I did it last month. I'm not going first. I'll wait for someone else. And someone eventually does. And the others go, oh, thank God we can do it too. So that's already happened. Um, As if it makes a difference anyway I within know. that one little window. Like, 
So you know, PR and spin. Yeah, um, no one remembers, right? Who cares? No, anyway. do you remember? Like, you, you tell me who last interest rate rise? Correct. Who was the first to rate? Correct. Who was the one before that? Yeah. You know, yeah. who who altered their decision based on that gap where one rose ahead of the other? Like, correct, it just—it's such a nonsense. Yeah. It is. Um, interestingly enough, though, on Thursday morning, we recorded this on Thursday morning, so today in, in our time, but yesterday in, in podcast time, uh, Warwick McKibben, ex-RBA governor, the most outspoken, oh, not governor, sorry, board member, the most outspoken ex-board member who gets quoted all the time, uh, Mr. Renter quote to some degree, uh, but I don't say that critically because he does have some good thoughts to share. And I was pretty pleased. Uh, you and I have been banging on this for a while. I am probably driving my Twitter followers nuts uh, talking about it, but I kind of can't help myself. Um, McKibben is saying, and this is, you know, a bit of, uh, a bit of maybe bravado, a bit of, a bit of uh, hyperbole, but he's saying rates may have to go to 5%. That'd be another two and a half rate rises away. Uh, if the government doesn't step up to the plate to either raise taxes or reduce spending to help the RBA out. And, mm. You and I like nothing more than confirmation bias. So I was very happy to hear Warwick say, Scott's been right all along. Uh, <laughs> exactly say, that's what I think I read. Um, sort of like pretend I read anyway. Um, and I just, yeah, like I think it's worth, I won't spend too long on it, mate. We talked about rates a lot last week, but I just, um, I don't know where we get to 5%. I actually am hopeful he's wrong. I feel like the fall in retail sales recently and other things suggest that maybe, hopefully, uh, we're in a situation where I hope that we're seeing a bit of food price fall. We're seeing oil price kind of come down. Um, we're seeing retail sales fall away. Now, that's obviously causing a whole lot of people a whole lot of pain. But I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, as I'd like to be, uh, that inflation might be coming down belatedly, but but finally. Uh, still, Warwick doesn't agree, or maybe at least is holding out the possibility that there might be another two or three rate rises if the government doesn't come to the party. And I just thought it was, again, confirmation bias 101, but... I'm glad someone's saying it. I'm glad we're talking about it because um, it's an important message. And I think the government's got away for far too long pretending they're doing something about it. I actually heard Jim Chalmers during the week, literally a soundbite saying, we're doing everything we can to reduce inflation. And then he moved on, like as if just saying it, and it was enough. It's like, Jim, just how, mate? Just explain to me for a second exactly what you're doing as a government to reduce inflation because I'm not seeing it. Um, but if he gets away with it, that's politics, that's PR, as we just talked about. But Warwick McKibben, you only need, you only need the soundbite. You only need uh -huh. the soundbite, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, we spent 40 minutes deep diving into this last week, so I don't have a lot to do, add. Yeah, yeah. Other, other than I am heartened to some extent. Like you, I, it feels as though I'm noticing more people in the public arena put mm. the focus mm. on the fiscal side of things. Yeah. Which I think is right. Yes, um, 100% right. You know, and it, it's, it's, I, it, it stems from a lack of understanding on how the system mm. works. Mm. And let's face it, it's diabolically <laughs> <laughs> complex. It is. Every yes, time, correct, it's, it's very slippery. Every time you feel as though you've got yes. your hands around it, it just whoop, out it goes. So, um, so but, but I think that is the right one where we need to have more of this adult conversation yeah. of, you know, hey, here's a problem. It's a yeah. real problem. It's yep. a serious problem. Um, the RBA will do what it can, but gosh, you know, give, give, mm -hmm. give them some, give them a hand. Oh, the, right? the RBA will do what it has to. That, that's worse. Yeah. It, it will. <laughs> here's the problem: it will get there. The, yeah. the, McKibben's point is, it will cause a massive amount of collateral damage if it's required 
to do that work with nobody else actually helping on the process. Of course it will. It has to. I remember this is what I've railed about week after week after week. After. It's the, it is always those at the lowest part of the ladder mm-hmm. that, that wear it. Yep. They're the ones that lose the jobs. They're the ones who have to pay 100%. 50% more on their groceries and insurance and petrol. Like, you know, it's sort of like mm-hmm. for the, the, the person with three paid off investment properties and a 10 million in super is like higher interest rates are the best thing ever, man. Like I just, I, all it does is just increase my cash flows. It's, it's, and it's not going to stop me buying that third or fourth ivory back scratcher. Correct. So it's just sort of, you know, it, and the income earner, by the way, that's already getting smashed by inflation. So you got the double, yeah. right? you got the inflation and the rates on top of that. Yeah. They, can, they can, they can barely afford one, let alone both. And that's the, this, this is why it's so bloody brutal because, um, you know, I hear, I hear people say all the time, so hang on, you're telling me the, the, court, the, the solution for higher prices is to pay more on my bills. How, like, uh, you know, how, how's that? And, and the thing is, that this is the thing, the RBA is not saying it's the preferred solution. They're saying it's what we've got. We've got one lever and we've been told to press the button when it's necessary. Yeah. There are people over there who can make this not necessary. That, that's the point, right? You can, you can do other things and that, that government activity can be tailored in a million different ways to make sure yeah. the impact is spread differently, shared differently, uh, in different places for different purposes, different things. Uh, the best Jim yeah. Chalmers has done is talk about maybe we might start to look at reducing or delaying some infrastructure spending. It's like, mate, by the time mm. that happens, if you cancel a project in June next year, it's not going to make any difference. No. And that's the, you know, they've got every every tool. And by the way, they've been in power now for 18 months or whatever it is. They've got every, every possible tool should they choose to use them. Those, those so far chosen to use none and foreshadowed possibly maybe using one at some point in the future. It's um, it's pretty rugged. Now I will say, uh, just to be evenly uh, critical, the last lot left a massive deficit, structural deficit and actual deficit. They were predicting deficits right through the forward estimates in the budget. This is not a Labor Party problem. This is an Australian politics problem, Australian parliament problem. Yeah. Uh, and neither wants to confront the realities. Now, that's it the current lot other ones in government's their job now they can they can blame the last one they, that's what every new government does but guys you got the keys you got the you got yeah. you're on the treasury benches this is your job literally to do these things if you choose not to and you want to blame the other guys that's your call but don't expect yeah. a free pass because the last lot were worse or bad or something else they did that they left a crappy budget position they left a mess and you've done exactly nothing to fix it and that yes they can criticize the last lot justifiably Mm-hmm. But they left, you, you won, they, they lost. Now it's your job. You know the job, that's fine. Give it back mm-hmm. to those guys and go do something else. Mm-hmm. But if you mm-hmm. want to be in government, if you want to run the treasury, well, guess what, guys? This is, this is, this is government. This is, these are the hard decisions you wanted to be in a position to make. Make the decisions, make the calls. Yep. Yep, sign me up. I'm all for that. I get the, 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 the difficult truth is that any solution is complex yep. and painful. Yes. And... And no one wants to have that adult conversation. That's right. to just, Except the poor you know, RBA. Yeah. 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 Which is, you know, it's the, it's, I, I, I don't know. It's just the incentives. Mm-hmm. I want, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, government, I want to be reelected. So it's far easier to blame the other lot, kick the can down the road and get reelected and enjoy the perks along the way than it is to like, well, this is what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to suck. Yeah. Um, it's going to suck a lot less in the long term. Like, trust me, this is, <laughs> this is really a smart thing to do. It's just like yeah, but I'm I'm gone, yeah. and everyone hates me, and it's just it just that that that's that is the brutal reality of the situation. Let's let's what I want to ask you, mate, mm. is that shaking our fists at the sky aside, and <laughs> yeah. we love to shake our fists oh, at the sky, don't it's, we? It's cathartic, right? Exactly. Like it's it's very. I find it very good for my mental well being. <laughs> With but apologies for listeners. Yeah, but what do you? I guess the question I imagine a lot of people have is like, okay, so what? 
So yeah. what? That, that you, there is the world as you would have it and there's the world as it is. Yeah. And the reality is, is that right now I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you guys because I've got a bit of money I've got in the market. Yeah, and I'm, you know, <laughs> exactly. Now, we're not going to give specific advice, buy this, sell yeah. that or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah. What, what, how do you, how do you it, oh, let me frame it up this way. If, mm-hmm. and t- let me know if, I've, if I'm putting words in your mouth here, but if <laughs> you think, as I think you do and I do, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. these things aren't going to be fixed in the way that they probably sh- should be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. If we roll this forward with an inactive government, a hamstrung mm-hmm. central bank with one big lever, yep. where does it get to is the first part of the question. And mm. how do I, for want of a better term, position myself for that? Love it, mate. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. We've said before in different contexts, and, and the beauty of doing this podcast for such a long time is we've been through very different circumstances, and I think our answers remain roughly the same, which I think is probably A, boring for our listeners, so my apologies, but also hopefully credible because... What I'm about to say is it has not changed despite the different circumstances, including a COVID crash, a massive recovery and everything before and after that. Mm. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, Optus and the challenges they're having and the lack of redundancy and the lack of kind of allowing for circumstances. And there is a parallel between these cyclical comments and frankly, um, the, the gentleman who we're contractually obliged to mention once a podcast, Warren Buffett, uh, who every time there's a massive boom, the market says, what's wrong, Warren? You're missing the boat. It's all about this new thing now. And Buffett kind of goes along and goes along and has has come up <laughs> roses every time uh, because he's done the right thing sensibly for long enough. And he doesn't enjoy the same cyclical highs in the go-go times. He doesn't suffer the same cyclical lows in the bus because he's running smart, sensible, plain businesses responsibly and conservatively. And so honestly, mate, my, my uh, investing approach, and there's two ways to do this. I'll, I'll outline it generally. You do it company by company, you do it at a total portfolio level. But broadly, for me, uh, I am very comfortable holding businesses that are designed to be winners over the long term mm. and whose leaders are pushing in exactly that direction with business models and business attributes that give you an above average chance of success doing that. Mm-hmm. So let me unpack that just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you want to have businesses that aren't going to be putting their hand out for cash at a time when it may not be available. I think you want to have businesses that haven't got a lot of debt so that if rates do go high, remain high, their debt piles aren't overburdened. And if their and- customers go away for a little bit, uh, they so, so the, the, the cost of the debt for the company, but also the impact of other people's debt, i.e. if consumers go on strike for a bit, are you around? Do you make it through? And I think you know, anything times zero is zero. It doesn't matter how many wins in a row you have, five, 10, 100, 1,000. The 1,000 at first, when, it, when you dial up anything times zero, it's still everything else goes away. And so my general approach is not to try and be too clever and maximize my upside at the expense of downside protection because square one is not a place you ever, ever want to go back to. So for my investing, I tend to own businesses that are growing businesses Mm -hmm. that have solid balance sheets, 
yep. i.e. not too much debt, preferably a lot of cash. Have leaders who are preferably founder owners or people who feel and think like founder owners on the, in the C-suite or maybe in the on the board if needs be. Um, I don't try to be too clever about picking the next winners uh, where the outcome, alternative outcome is is a zero outcome. Yep. Now, that said, that's my approach. The other way you can do exactly the same thing is just do it, taking more risk at a company by company level, but having a portfolio structure that allows for that to also be true. So mm. I'm not saying don't buy growth companies or only buy companies that couldn't go broke under any circumstances. Buffett bought, um, was it a shoe company, I think, went broke. Um, oh, you know, yes. he's, not, he's not perfect. So, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, the, the, the literal mills, the, 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 you know, the, the mills that he bought, Berkshire Hathaway was a, was a you know, linen company or, or cloth company. Um, yeah. they, they shut those operations down. So it's not a case of, you know, taking zero risk because there is no such thing or being so boring you get a bugger or return, but at least money's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm still looking for a, a return. I'm still looking for growth. Um, so either at the portfolio level and or at a company level. Uh, now, again, that's no different, right? So people are saying, well, hang on, why aren't you responding to the most recent circumstances? The answer is, and I'm not, I'm not Warren Buffett, neither are you, Ram, but you know, the Buffett approach was he, he lost to the market badly in 1998, 1999. Why? Because the market got overexcited. And Buffett said, I'm not playing that game. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the old rules are the new rules. I've said many times, we are not going into a new normal. We are going back to the old normal. Uh, and, and pricing power matters. Brands matter. Sustainability and growth matter. I don't mean sustainability in a, in a new age kind of way. I mean literally business sustainability, i.e. will you be around? Um, again, at a, at a company or a portfolio level, I think that's how I've always tried to invest. Um, it's an easier, more obvious thing to do and say when we're in circumstances like this. No one wants to hear it in 2021. No one wants to hear it in 2006. No one wants to hear it in 1999 because... Dude, it's all about the internet. Haven't you heard? Or insert, you know, new fad here. Mm-hmm. Um, AI, probably the most recent. AI, I'm AI not for sure. Lithium isn't one of those. Um, yeah. By the way, I've seen in the paper recently, if you noticed that we used to have the FANG stock. Now there's a group called the Magnificent Seven. Uh, the yes, I have the, heard that. Oh, yeah. Anyway. yeah. yeah. Great uh, movie, by the way. It's fantastic. Anyway, so that's what I'm doing, Matt. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. yeah, I think that's about it for me. I mean, in terms of crystal ball gazing, I just, I, I feel as though the problems that we are experiencing uh i would turn them structural not cyclical Mm -hmm. like you know um things go from good to bad just because of natural cycle of 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 things Mm -hmm. the problems that we are facing uh we only sort of every now and again we get lucky because commodity prices (laughs) shoot through the roof and everything gets sold but you know there's i I don't think they're gonna fix themselves because of the incentives that are at play anytime soon and I think the long-term consequences of that are going to be very long-term and yeah, play out right. over decades. Yeah. You know, I think, I've said before, I think the US is, um, we are we are an incredibly fortuitous position mm-hmm. with our our national finances compared yeah. to a country like yeah. the US, which I mean, <laughs> which is I mean, we bring like. it up all the time, but I feel as though no one's talking about like yeah. the sheer volume of debt. This week, their interest bill on a run rate basis passed $1 trillion. <laughs> It's 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 yeah. bigger yeah. than social no. This is defense, social security, and interest, and I Amazing. I forget which one it's overtaken, but it's like the second biggest expense. Yeah, right. So they are they are paying off the credit card with another credit card. Yeah, 
And and it's not like, well, we're doing it because things are really tough at the moment, but when How it gets back to normal. Time. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just like, no, 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 you're, you're a mile away. Like, I think the, the deficit is 8% of GDP. Like, it's mm. like, I don't know how that fixes itself. And and at the same time, I, I'm not buying gold in a bunker because it, it'll it'll play out over a very long period of, of, of mm. time. Mm. But when I when I do look, so that, that and I feel as though, although we're in a much better position, we are on that trajectory, mm. right? And we are a, an, an, an ant on the back of an elephant here in the yes, global economy, yes. which is the other, other thing. So yes. yeah, I, I look around and, and, and history is always useful as a guide. And I think, well, what do I, Whatever the situation is, whatever the economic environment is, mm. things you know, high quality businesses will are scarce, and yes. scarce things are good to own. Yes, you know, and 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 it might be that look, I, I would say, look looking at the all odds over the last three years is up nine percent, and it's probably up about 14 percent with dividends. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in real terms, it's flat. Because we also know the CPI has yes. gone up about fifteen percent right. in three years, so what you I think what we might expect as investors over the coming decade are not terrible nominal gains, but mm-hmm. what we're really doing is preserving our purchasing yeah, power. With, yeah, that's right. That's right. Which I don't know is a terrible outcome, which what might otherwise be the case. So I'm certainly not buying what I consider to be overly inflated assets that are just so far away from their fundamental valuations yeah. and cash flows. Yeah. It makes no sense. <coughs> Australian residential property. Um, so, you know, no, not in a million years. Could you make me invest? like uh, oh, to, to live in? Yeah. Short, different story as I often say, but, but to invest in, no, I don't want a negatively yielding asset. Mm. Um, and I, and I want something that is, that is genuinely scarce. There is only one soul pats, right? Yes. There is only one CSL. There is only one cochlea. I don't know what's going to to, to happen in, mm-hmm. in the world, but I know that things are going to get diabolically bad to the point where your portfolio is at least of your concerns if all of these major companies are in, are in existential crisis. Mm. Um, I think a lot of the market recognizes this, which is why you get – I've often talked before about Woolies, great company, but valuation makes no sense. Like yeah, It makes agreed. no sense. Yeah, it's ridiculously agreed. expensive. And then I go, unless – unless I'm not here trying to score a 10% annual return. I'm actually just trying to park my mm. money somewhere mm. where more or less over, over the coming five, 10 years, I'm going to more or less maintain my purchasing power in an, in an inflationary environment, mm. which is really scary. And I don't know what's coming around the corner and the increasing tensions around the world is like, I, I, look, if I, if I get a 3% real rate of return per annum over the next decade, that might actually be okay. That might actually be okay. Now, I'm I'm personally going for more than that, for for, for, for better or worse, maybe for worse. I mean, I'm I'm forced to take more risk, right? That's that's the other reality of it. So I think you need to ask yourself, what do I want to do here? What, what is what is my aim? If I was 55 plus, I would be very much leaning on the wealth preservation side of mm. things. Just quality, quality, quality. Don't buy anything at any price. Valuation matters, but don't be too clever with that. Like. Maybe if you if you can get something that gives you as like a mid single digit real rate of return with dividends included, and it's not terrible. It's not terrible under you know, and 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 you, you your retirement's taken care of. Um, if I was younger, I would just be continuing to save what I can, spend less than what I earn, 
have some money for a rainy day and just continue to plow it in because this this will pass eventually. Mm. And I, the last thing I want to be doing as a 29-year-old is worrying about this current set of challenges when I'm trying to save money yeah. for like three decades from now, right? Correct, correct. Um, so I think that that makes a, a, a play for it. But yeah, I, I'll underscore your your emphasis on balance sheet mm. and reliability of cash flows. I've got a lot of stuff that's the exception to the rule. There's, so I got to, <laughs> I am aware of what yeah. I'm saying here. But I think, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. And this is not the time to swing for the fences. This is the time to manage your downside, not by hedging or by just just being a when you're buying. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. When you're buying the next hot thing, it's like, yes, oh, this is going to moon. Great. If it doesn't, what does it look like? You know, and I think when you look after the downside, the upside tends to take care of itself. And you what you want to be as an investor, as a long term investor, more than anything is you want to be a survivor. Because if you don't survive, you're not there to let compounding do its thing. So that that's 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 a long waffly answer. But that's, I think, how I'm thinking about it all. I think that's perfect, mate. I think if you think about the the funds that do best, for example, uh, over over long periods of time, they're very rarely at the top of the pops in any given year. Almost never. But they 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 do well over the a full length of time because they don't have those bad years. They don't, they don't go to zero. Yeah. They don't have the big losses. I think that's that's a really important one. I will say too, mate. One very different approach. One, one additional thought. During the GFC, a little company that has had fallen on very tough times recently changed its name. Flexi Group oh, did yeah. remarkably Hum? well. Hum now, yeah. Did, did yeah. remarkably well. And you say, well, hang on. How did FlexiGroup do so well during the GFC? Doesn't it, doesn't it lease, you know, give, give money to credit for, for furnishings? And if you're having a, an almost recession we had here, how the hell have they done well? And this is worth highlighting because it wasn't about the category at all. It was about the fact that it was a disruptor and it managed to grow inside a category that was in decline. I love that. And so there's, there's so the, really- so just just to make sure I'm with you here. Yeah, the pie is shrinking. Yes, but my slice is 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 growing. Spot on. The size of my slice of that pie is growing faster Correct. than the shrinkage. Yeah. And it's not just because like it wasn't like Harvey Norman took share of JB Hi-Fi or vice versa in that category. Mm. It was mm. a disruptor who basically created a new way in this case to pay for something. Apple grew phenomenally during the GFC globally. Yeah. Right yep. now, we know you're almost inclined to think, "Oh, of course it did, because Apple." The point yep. was, mobile phones were growing as a sector, as a category inside a shrinking economy, and so the idea structural of change, just, right? Structural so change again. Yep. Looking for those now. I mean, the, the, the flex group thing wasn't so much structural change overall. Plenty of people still used, uh, still use cash and, and, and normal credit cards and other things, but just that idea of finding a way to disrupt. An existing, or, or, or I should say, structural change, attracting money to something that wasn't previously spent on, there can be real opportunity there. So I would, yep. I would uh, again, it's not it's not carte blanche to say anything that's growing is okay or, or or put your money anywhere. But even if the economy does slow, maybe maybe we have a recession, maybe we don't. I don't think we do, but anything's possible. Um, there will be companies that grow through that because they are, as you say, mate, taking that structural change or disrupting a particular way thing something is done. And there can be huge, huge opportunities for those companies. So now you gotta think about the I share price because the share that. price might already be too high. So just yeah. because you know, just because the company's profit does well doesn't mean you'll make money. Uh, you may lose money even if the company grows because the shares are too expensive. Yeah. Um, conversely, I think there are businesses that are going to, if not shrink, not grow, but you'll do well because the shares are so cheap already. So there's many ways to skin the cap, but I just wanna raise that one as well. It's a higher risk strategy because you have to believe that a flexi group, to use the example, or Apple, 
uh, will continue to grow and uh, penetration will continue to soar of those services or products. But if you can find those businesses, uh, I will I will say, you know, I like my e-commerce uh, players, Andrew. Uh, our listeners know that too. I won't mention any names because I don't have to have a drink. Um, <laughs> and I'm not talking about that particular company, by the way, but generally, so for example, I would suspect that as if and when retail shrinks or doesn't grow much, there will be retailers. So the structural change there, I think, is going to continue to be, I've said this before, move towards more people buying online. Now, if you are that retailer who gets either you're a pure play online retailer, maybe you're just an omnichannel, you're everywhere. But when people shop online, they're more likely to shop with you than your competitor. That'll be an example, in my mind, of that structural change, for example. The idea that fewer people are buying category X car parts, just to make, pick something fun, um, but they're buying more of them online. The online car parts retailer is probably going to do better than the overall category because they're picking up that structural shift. And I think that's another way to think about um, the sorts of opportunities. Now, I wouldn't even do it just because there's a decline. They'll grow. They'll, go, they'll go, you know, probably gain share in good times and bad times. But I'm just making the point that a rising tide might lift all boats uh, or most boats. A falling tide might sink most boats. But the the you know the exception to that rule is that if you're I'm not going to talk to the I was going to go with some flotation device thing and really really <laughs> mess the metaphor up. But suffice it to say, um, most boats, not all boats, uh, and and there are opportunities for investors who can see those that will maybe not follow the dominant narrative because they are changing the game. I, lo- I love that. I, actually, we, as you're talking, it, it's reminded me that I think like, gosh, at least three quarters of my portfolio is all predicated on on a business that is a disruptor. Right. And it, I, I hope looking to benefit, let's not count chickens before they hatch, <laughs> looking, to, looking to benefit from structural change. Here's an industry that's as old as, as um, Adam, but... Uh, we're doing it a different way now. It's yes. faster. It's yes. better. It's cleaner. It's cheaper. It's better. You know, it's just it's gonna it's gonna happen. These guys are the leaders in in that in that field, and I, mm-hmm. I think that, that will that will overcome other difficulties. Yes. I often think actually I've oh, I've got to dig up, but I wrote an article years ago about Japanese stocks. So Japan right. had the lost decade. Yes. Yes. Japan's suffering all these demographic challenges. Gosh, talk about debt, right? Like mm-hmm. they. I think something like the central bank in Japan owns like half of the, all the government bonds. Like it's a it's a mess. They had abenomics and all kinds of yes, yes. all kinds of challenges, yes. right? I mean, what saves them is they have a current account surplus that's huge, and they have a lot of international investments. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they they'd be in a very different scenario. But I, I always thought Japan was interesting because, despite when you look at the Nikkei over very long periods of time, it's pretty ordinary. Yet. I think it was Nintendo, I want to say. Mm, I can't mm. remember. But you will find companies listed on the Japanese exchange that were insanely profitable and like incredible investments. Right, right, right. Despite anyone else who paid any attention to what was going on in Japan going, this is a basket case. Oh, my gosh, this is a disaster, right? (laughs) And look look at what happened to them. Switching back to the future the other day, it was just it was so funny how they were sort of talking about because in the eighties, right, it was like everyone was learning Japanese. That's Japanese right. economy was booming. Yes, yes. Japan was going to take yep. over the world, and yeah. no, you know. And I actually suspect there might be some parallels with, with China as well. There, actually, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think India's India's on track to to top them um, in the not too distant future, just just because of some silly policies around. Uh, demographics and, right. and a whole host of other. Anyway, I'm getting off point. The, my point is, is that even in extraordinarily difficult situations, there are exceptions to the rule, and mm. it is easy, I think, to be accused of cherry picking in those situations. Yeah. 
But but nevertheless, they are not the one in a million exception to the rule. You will find, I, I would yep. say, dozens of stocks there, and and then and when you that, that that have that have that have sort of defied the broader trend. And when you look at them, it's not like that any of them are obvious. I mm. mean, if, if they were, they would have been bid up and the opportunity wouldn't have been there. Mm. But they do share the themes that we've been talking about, don't they? Mm-hmm. They have good product or service that is often benefiting from big structural changes. They have uh, uh, well-managed balance sheets. Um, they have a they have a, a well-managed cost basis. Like th- there are certain there are certain things that just seem to be stand out and they don't offer a guarantee and I don't think anyone in investing should ever put them forward as a guarantee but man they do they do put the odds in your favor mm. and I think as an investor you you want to you want to pay attention to those kinds of things just just to shift the probability into into something that's going to work out well for you yeah more likely nicely put nicely put hey buddy I want to I want to finish off um, by chatting about something that you and I have talked about a little bit in in passing and certainly in the past uh, which I'm I'm calling the anti nudge and I just, I guess it's, there's not a particular investing takeaway from this other than I think, uh, I'll say again for the 85th time this year and about the 485th time in this podcast, uh, that uh, behavioral, understanding, understanding human behavior is so dramatically important. I, I am convinced the study of economics is actually the study of applied psychology. There's a bit of math thrown in there to kind of, you know, make all the numbers kind of work together, although that's sometimes dodgy because they, you know, all, all the assumptions that go into making the maths work um, makes it not very useful. Um, by the way, the economists have physics envy big time. Uh, I, I was, I was, you know, it's funny. I was, um, I was on Twitter the other day and like, well, uh, unless you know, I said all the details of all this stuff, then you don't know anything. And I was kind of like, on one level, that's absolutely true. On the other level, it's kind of, you don't need to know that stuff. You just need to kind of understand the cause and effect. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's not the person who knows the most stuff, uh, the, the, the facts or the, the whatevers. Yes, it helps sometimes. But actually, kind of the false position problem of like, you know, now I know all the things. Well, you probably don't know all the things because you don't know what's unknowable. So you can never know for sure. You're far better off just getting the, the broad brush strokes right, understanding those sort of cause and effect what sort did, of plays. Go on. What did Buffett say about librarians? Do you remember that? <laughs> if, if history was all that mattered, the richest people in the world would be librarians. Is no, that that's the, it. That's the one. The one. Yeah, it's, it sort of rung a bell there it's with great, what you were saying. That's a great line. Um, and so I just and so so basically, yeah. So as investors, as business people, as investors, understanding understanding psychology human psychology the way people act uh my biggest failing speaking of apple my biggest failing at apple was failing to realize it was a cult and i, and I say that yeah. only half tongue in cheek its fans are cult-like and had i yeah, you were too objective earlier, and right. so was yeah, I. Yeah, yeah yeah i remember back i worked with the full then at the, the p was 12 yeah yeah for apple i know crazy hey what was I doing? No, no. I deserve to be taken at both of us. The fog, like, you don't know anything, you yep, idiot. Correct. correct. Um, but, even, but even when the P was higher, it was still worth buying because it was a high P at a lower price. And it was kind of yeah. like, well, who, who would pay that much for that? And eventually someone will take their margins and, and whatever, whatever, whatever. And it Buffett fails did. to- Sorry? Buffett did. I know, funny that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it depends on what the smartest Warren Buffett. Who, who wouldn't know? <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so yes, the psychology is important. I say all this as a lead up. Um, you and I have been chatting. We've, I think we might have talked a little bit about this before, uh, but uh, something called the anti-nudge. A nudge, a nudge is something that kind of makes it more likely someone's going to do something, right? The, yeah. the behavioral economics. Um, who, who wrote Who wrote nudge? Was it? I was in Gladwell. Someone wrote a book called Nudge. Um, It was taken up by governments. It It was a nudge unit in the UK parliament. Uh, Huge, huge deal. Lots of things going on when it comes to um, the the, the idea of a nudge. Oh, Richard. Uh, It's worth worth checking out. There you go. Thank you. Great, great guy. 
Um, so the nudge is something that makes something more likely. So for example, uh, you auto-enroll people in the US. I mean, we do it compulsory with super. In the US, they did a study where if people could, you can opt into this, what they call their 401k plans, right? It's basically a kind of voluntary super. And if you auto-enroll them, in other words, you have to opt out a massive number, like sometimes something like three times as many people stayed in the program than if you yes. didn't make them, had to opt in to the program. Just that simple yes. thing. Same, same outcome, right? You, do you want in or don't yep. you? Uh, on one hand, they said, well, you're in unless you get out. The other one said, you're out unless you get in. The numbers were dramatically different, which, you know, plenty of people would say, well, humans are rational. They'll do, always do the thing they should do. They'll always do the, the thing that's most mm. important. The data just is so fundamentally, compellingly, overwhelmingly um, strong that we just, we're not as rational as we like to think. Anyway, the anti-nudge for me is if you think about two areas, I, I mentioned one this morning, mate. You mentioned the other as we were preparing for this podcast. Uh, one of them is the uh, the one I mentioned was fund managers. Now, um, I have no beef with fund managers generally. I, I have some beef with fund performance. That's a different thing. Uh, but a fund manager gets to deduct his or her asset management fees from your account. Now, if it's only 1% and you've got some money in there, you don't really necessarily feel it coming out. I and it's to, moving it around 1% on a too. daily basis a, anyway, right? I'll pick a number, $500,000 um, portfolio. Right, so if you, if you have a $500 million portfolio and they said, look, it's going to cost you 1%, you go, okay, that's fair enough. I'm getting 10%. 1% is not much. That's fine. That'll do. If instead you had to send them a check for $5,000 every single year or make a funds transfer, how much do you reckon that would change the way same, same outcome, same dollar value, same impact. How much yeah, do you reckon exactly. it would change? How many people invested in funds? Radically. Staying in the funds. I would say absolutely massively. Massively. Yep. Yep. You mentioned another example. Well, you know my go-to example here is, is going to be the same with agents, real estate agents, right? It's like, what, what is the commission these days on when you're buying or selling? It depends on the area. But you know, uh, yeah. I, I've still heard of 2% figures. You know, for a yep. for median houses in the country of like one point one million dollars. It's like how much? I mean, I think I think they're doing a job. Like they're not they're mm-hmm. not they shouldn't mm-hmm. they should be paid. No one's no one's arguing that. It's like, wait a sec, you do the maths. I'm I'm being paid thirty grand to put some ads on the on a few websites and open mm-hmm. a door and hand mm-hmm. someone some paper. Like like it, it is outrageous. Now I reckon again, if it's like, yes, you have to pay that up front. Or on on sale, you have to take yep. that out of your bank account and transfer yep. it to yep. me. In, you, yeah. you can't have a reduction. You don't have a reduction from the sale price. You get the full yep. sale price, and you got to then write a check, send an EFT, whatever it is, for that yes. amount of money. Oh, totally different. Yep. Totally or, different. Or just think yep. about paying per hour. Actually, I'm going to yep. put I'm going to put ten hours worth of work in here, and my rate is three thousand dollars an hour. Yep. You're like, you you what? Like, excuse what? me. Yeah. yeah if, you, if you had to put a timesheet in as a real estate and again i'm not bagging real estate agents you are i'm not i am um, i, I, know I mean no one no one opens a door better than a real estate agent mate you you can't just walk in and do that on day one right you need some specialized training equally if Sorry, we offer that sort of money we would take it so i, I yeah. what I, i'm not i'm just saying yeah the agent will take what they can get right but you think about the behavioral elements of this um so that's what i call the anti-nudge just just if you think about investments companies now by the way i just mentioned the one of the nudges or the anti-nudge is apple that, that human psychology of just, you know, this thing is, you know, stupidly cult-like and people are going to love the hell out of it. Um, 
Just don't be, I was going to be too rational. Be rational yourself. Be absolutely rational. And make allowance though for the irrationality of others when you're trying to understand the way these things work because yeah. there's a reason, you know, that, how long ago was Where Are the Customers Yachts written, mate? It was 1930 or 20 oh. or something. I don't know. Maybe I uh, yeah, like yonks that. ago. Yonks ago. Um, yep. The idea of like, you know, hey, the fund manager is rich, where are all the customers' yachts? Oh, there aren't any. Um, yep. uh, you know, the, the, that's why management management is massive because 1% of mine and 1% of yours, 1% of everyone else, still feels like 1%. Yeah. But think about 1% of all of the assets managed all around the world. Something of Buffett, he's written a great, um, uh, in one of his letters, uh, look up uh, the helpers uh, or the Got Rocks, G-O-T-R-O-C-K-S. Buffett's named the family the Got Rocks. Uh, it's a very Buffett kind of thing. It's kind of a little bit hokey and funny, but uh, look up the Got Rocks. Just Google it. You'll, you'll see the full story. Um, and again, I'm not, not bagging fund managers, not bagging real estate agents necessarily. I'm just making the point that if you think about behavior, think about psychology, but you, when you buy a car, oh, it's only an extra $5,000 for a you know, fish oil spray treatment, which for all I know is probably great or terrible. I have no idea. But what is that? That's framing. I'm going to buy a $60,000 car, five yeah. grand, oh, it's not that much more. So you can yeah. stuff. If someone said to you, could you please, after, you, after the sale, you drive it home, someone knocks on the door and says, mate, I can, I can fish oil your car for five grand. Would you like that? Are you kidding? Five yeah. grand, not a shit in hell. Yeah. Uh, those, those things, sometimes, by the way, entirely cynical. Other times, just the way this structure works and often both. Um, yep. But just, just be really mindful. So again, as individuals, be rational because it'll save you money and you hopefully you get better outcomes. Uh, you won't be kind of taken for the ride. But as an investor, the flip side is true. And you can, I'm talking about both sides of the mouth here. Think about that, right? Does Apple justify in any rational way that premium? No, it's pure customer love, but that's as real as anything. So don't, don't miss the opportunities that they, they present, but also be very, very careful about letting yourself be taken for a ride by some of these things where it doesn't seem like all that much. It's not that big a deal. Um, yeah. I want to say, mate, the industry super mob did some research and I'm, I'm going to make up the numbers if I hope are roughly right. But it was something like a 40% difference in the final account balance after 40-something years based on a fee difference. 40% yep. in total because you compound that fee. 1% is not much. 1%, one year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years becomes a very, very large number very quickly. Oh, mate, it's so it's so true. And these are easy things to sort of change with big impacts. One of my favorite examples of this was um, maybe it was Taylor, actually, who said this example. But the, the idea is you want to buy – this is how old the example is. You want to buy a CD and at one, at one CD shop – I was like, could, no, I don't. No, I don't. Why would I buy a CD for? But I want to buy a CD, yep. uh, revealing my age here. Yes, yes. God, I wasted some money on CDs. God, oh, how many times I've had to buy the same bloody album. Anyway, um, uh, uh, it's $25 um, uh, right in front of me right mm -hmm. now, or I can drive across town. It's a half hour drive and it's $15. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to buy it, right? Like it's it's, it's yep. $10. What's yep. the difference? Yep. Now imagine you're buying a sports car. And the one in front of you is uh, $100,000. And the one across town is $98,000. And I, uh, it's about, oh, maybe I'll do that though. No, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm doing here? I'm getting the example exactly the wrong way around. The way <laughs> I need to, can we edit this? <laughs> <The way I'm, laughs> no, keep going. No, I'm just, I'm going to dig a hole. 
I'm, you know what I'm doing? I'm doing the George Bush. <laughs> point is, you can't fool me there again. There are known knowns and known unknowns. Fool right. me once, I'm, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you as well. Oh, man. Let me try and salvage this. So the idea being <laughs> is that in both examples, the proposition was the same. Yeah. Drive across town and save $10. Yeah. Under one example, yes. he's like, well, I'm not yes. going to do that, though, because it's just like a tiny difference. A like whether I- Right, yes. Yeah, if I save $10 on my Ferrari, if I buy it here or over there, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. for a CD as a percentage of the total, yes. it feels yeah. like a massive difference. Yeah. So I will I will do that. And but it would be if you buy a Ferrari's worth of them, but you're not. You're buying one of them either way. You're saving $10 or you're not. The proposition is, do yeah. I want to drive yeah. for half an hour across town and half an hour back to save 10 bucks? That's the proposition. On one situation, you won't. The other, you will. So again, it's how irrational we are. How embarrassing. Um, nailed it. The other, the other, the other, <laughs> nailed it. The other thing is that it's interesting that to me that there, the internet has completely um, disintermediated certain industries. And our industry is one. My very, very first proper job at a uni was at, at um, a big stockbroker. And back then, this was just when um, online trading was just really starting to come come into its own mm. and the older <laughs> soldiers there at the brokerage firm they lived in a in an era where it was a hundred dollars to do a trade yeah you had to ring someone up like a caveman on the phone <laughs> and it pretty much depended on who you knew and my broker's really good because they get these good deals and that was just right absolutely right for for, for um funny bit business mm. but the internet came now i i saw it the other day a uh three dollar brokerage ad wow chess sponsored right yeah, and right. even if you know even they've just got they've gone from a hundred dollars to three dollars yes. in the u.s yeah. it's yeah. free i'm sure that we will get free brokerage here it won't mm. be free because they'll they'll do something with your holdings or your data or something you pay some way yes yep robin hood does it right it is it is free why the mm. internet disintermediate and got rid of that game the, but it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened in real estate for, for a variety of reasons, which are, none of them are rational. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's, it's to your point though, isn't it? Where it's sort of like, mm. there are some things that are just so obvious, obviously irrational, and yet they persist for far, far longer. And this is what's undone me actually on more than a few investments. You see things that just sort of seem as though they're as inevitable as inevitable can be. And I think for even in ones where, they've, where that has worked out, mm. it's always come out much longer than you thought. My, my classic example being the, the, the Yellow Pages not being discontinued until 2017 <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Like, it's great, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. It's not so disruption relief if you think about it that way. It's a uh, it's a it's a heck of a thing. Mate, it uh, is. Oh, it is. Yeah. No, yeah. I just I just I'd wrap up that segment, which is just completely embarrassing for me. But just to say, <laughs> uh, yes, nudging people in the right direction with a few behavioural tweaks can make a big difference. Mate, as you well and truly know, we're into the second hour of the podcast. No one's listening anymore anyway, so it's going to go completely thank, thank God. unnoticed. Uh, I have I have done the same. I've done the same on television and uh, and trying to backtrack from that when you're halfway through something like, oh, oh I've screwed that up entirely. That is, uh, that yeah. is very, very difficult. Oh, it's, uh, I, I, surprisingly enough, our listeners would be surprised that this isn't scripted. So uh, I reckon if, if we if we make the occasional stuff up on the fly uh, after, <laughs> uh, how, many, how many hours of podcasting do you reckon we've done? 
I don't, know, I don't want be, to think about it a, bit. a lot. A um, lot. Bit, bit of fun for those who were listening since the first episode. Uh, I've said this before every now and again, but just, just for fun. Uh, Andrew, I actually scripted literally word for word the very first podcast that we did. We effectively read it out or, or close enough to read it out. The script it was as, we, awful. as we talked through it. It wasn't yeah, great. More awful. It was also it about now. 20 minutes because we thought that short podcasts were good at the time. And uh, we've lacked a little self-discipline since then. So uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. we have, yes. I think the podcasts have improved. They've certainly got longer. Uh, and maybe that's the trade-off. I'm not entirely sure. Yep, yep. Long form podcasting. We're here for it. That's <laughs> the future. Disrupting. Can I say one thing before you what round is, it off? I love you. It, it reminded me, and, and we will touch on this maybe more detail later on, but as mm. you say, we're at, we're at this end tail, and if anyone's here, it's it's on them. <laughs> um, the Bitcoin the Bitcoin thesis for I always me. asked you about that and I thought oh, yeah, we're well, I, I, if I open this I'm, Pandora's box for another 20 minutes but go on I don't want to, I don't want to go on about it but the, the bell rang for me when you when you said one thing that you missed with with Apple was mm. the cult like yeah. phenomena and I it just made my uh, bell ring for me because I think that's mm. a that's a feature yeah it's a good um, point actually Stanley Druckenmiller doesn't hold any at the moment. He had a he had an interview recently where he said he probably should, and he doesn't know why he didn't. <laughs> but but back in the day, he did take a very large position, and 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 the investment thesis part of it that he put out when he was interviewed was just sort of like it occurred to me that these people are all religious fanatics yes. and never never yes. get, never bet against fanaticism. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and right. I, I want to be clear, that's not, that is certainly not a foundational part of my thesis, but it is an element <laughs> to it. It's like, you know, these, these people are nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've got, you got to be careful not to to bet against yeah. that level yeah. of, of certainty. I would never, sh- even if you hate it, I don't think anyone would short it, right? No, God, no, I'd be mad. It's... um. Yeah. It's an interesting one because I think we, we probably should blow this out a bit more. Um, we do, we do, uh, and Andrew's wanted to talk about Bitcoin for a few weeks and apologies to the Bitcoin holders. We kind of get to the end of the episode. Uh, it's kind of happening in the background that the price has been running up a little bit and, and it's like, yeah, it's been moving. We should just at least mention it and kind of cover it and I haven't given it enough time because we end up talking about other things. So my, my apologies. Um, uh, there's, there's not much news really. Well, the cult, the cult thesis is interesting for Apple and then comparing it with something like a Bitcoin or something else because you kind of need... You either need the cult to get bigger or you need the cult members to continue to love it even more. Yeah. And I'm not going to do an Apple versus Bitcoin because I don't want to, I don't want to just suggest I'm saying- oh, It's one, not a perfect analogy. No, no, no. No, 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 no I'm not saying it's yeah. not, but it was more just, no, I, I, I didn't, didn't want to make the alternative. But as, as I think about the Bitcoin example, it requires either more adherence, more, more cult members bought in to, to any, 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 any growth based on a cult-like product. Tesla's another one, by the way. Yes, um, Tesla, um, perfect example. But at, at the benefit Apple's got is it sells a effectively consumable product. It's not consumable mm. in the sense you eat, you eat it, but it needs replacing. It's got a replacement cycle. Yep. Uh, it can also add more to it. So there is some element, you know, I often think about, we talk about recurring revenue. We talk about software companies that have recurring revenue, a subscription model as the holy grail. Uh, I've said before, the, the largest repeat business uh, company in Australia is Woolworths. You know, for, for, it's, not, it's not contracted revenue, but it might as well be because where else are you going to go and buy your food? They don't, they don't publish and, annualized recurring revenue figures. Right, but they might yeah. as well. Cost of acquiring yeah. customers, bugger all, because there's, you know, 20 million of us probably shop there at some point in a given year, um, yeah. or at least the families of those people, you know, kids and stuff, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you think about, so Apple's got this benefit of not only do people love it, they continue to upgrade. So you kind of, it's, it's not recurring revenue and it's not contracted revenue. But there is something lovely about the idea of you, you have this cult and your cult, your cult membership makes you want to proselytize. So that helps bring other people in. Again, there's some Bitcoin analogies there too, metaphors or uh, similarities. Um, but also with Apple, in Apple's case, you want to go and get a new version of the new latest thing because the one you had is not as good as the new one. 
And that planned obsolescence, while it might have terrible <laughs> social and environmental outcomes and a whole lot of other things, is just a really beautiful thing. So you sell another one of the same thing for a higher price mm. every few years. iPhone 622, when that model comes out, people will be buying that one in grand numbers at 621. They bought the two years earlier. Um, you throw some headphones, you throw a watch, you throw whatever at it. You've you got a computer in front of you. Um, if you can find a business that it's almost land and expand again to use this software analogy of you get him in with something and you say well buy another one of those and then buy something else to go with it and you know that that cult membership is super valuable Uh, Tesla you know you you buy you pay more for full self-driving there'll be a subscription model to that at some point Um, so you'll have to keep paying for, for access to that I mean, yep. you know, that becomes a really beautiful model. I'm not a Tesla shareholder, although, as I said, my son owns 0.1 of a share or something. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, thinking about cults, think about the way people shop, the way they think of themselves. It goes back to the nudge thing, it goes back to the behavioral mm. psychology. The, these mm. people are absolutely neck deep in this thing and they will give up anything before they, they acknowledge that Apple may not be the, be, you know, the best of everything all the time. And while I might laugh at those people sometimes, the power of that, as an investor, as a company, is just extraordinary because yep. you've got a built-in, you built-in, a, a, as I said, your sales force as well as a consumption force, and you're selling them another thing to replace the thing they previously bought from you. They have to sell them a new one, like a, a different thing. Tell them the mm. same thing; it's a little bit better two years later. It's yep. it's a beautiful, beautiful model. There's, it's like luxury brands in general. So a lot yeah. of the European fashion labels and the rest of it. And what's the quality mm-hmm. of material and craftsmanship? Yeah, it's great. Like yep. it is. It's it's better much better than than some rubbish that's made out you know in, in, a, in a factory in southeast asia somewhere you know with with very poor materials but is it worth like is there any handbag in the world that's mm. worth fifty thousand dollars yeah it's of course not. economists call it a veblen good and i love it and i only recently discovered this term, never so heard I'm, using, term. I'm using it no i only just recently wow. the veblen good is one that becomes more appealing the higher the prices <laughs> right <laughs> Which is interesting, right? So Louis Vuitton, if, you, if they just said we're lowering our price to $50, $50 handbags or whatever, like they go out of business, not from a margin perspective, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's like it's, you, you, you're not selling something to carry your purse and phone and a pack of tissues. Mm-hmm. You're carrying a social display mechanism. That you are, people are not buying a bag. They are buying <laughs> a... Yeah, yeah. Peacock's plumage, yes. you know, and, yes. and and I, it's the same with Rolls Royce. It's the same with any of these things, and they are, they. It's just a, a good example of. We talk mm. about the need to be rational as an investor, but there are some things where it's sort of like actually, there's no rationality to this at all. <laughs> That's right, and it still makes an incredible 100%. amount of sense. Look, I mean, I know you railed, and I did too, a lot about afterpay. I mean, mm. just mm. just debt by another. No, yes. it's not debt. Yes. It's and like, what the it's a budget management yeah, but, tool, but you know, well, <laughs> the, the, rea- the truth yeah. is, yeah, everyone loved it. Everyone, you know, Gosh, when yeah, I say everyone, virtually everyone loved yeah, it, and every retailer now accepts it. Mm-hmm. And 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 I missed it, um, and I think it got stupidly priced. And I'm happy to stand on the record. And I think history has since vindicated both yes, our correct. views on that. Yes, but. But I could have bought it at an incredibly mm. low price. Remember when it was TouchCorp back when yeah, you I and do. I worked together, I do. right? And I remember people pitching it to us like, why would you do that for? And it was a good example, again, of being a little bit too rational by half. Yep. And it's just like, it doesn't matter that this doesn't really make a great deal of sense. All that matters is, is that every time they report, 
a hell of a lot more people are using it. And the, the customer growth was beautiful. Customer growth yes. grew, so business wanted it, and there's some business, more business offered it. More customers decided to take advantage of it. It was a yeah, can I can I can I be more embarrassing than even you were this podcast? Uh, okay. I I I we had recommended it to one of our services as TouchCorp before it merged with Afterpay. And oh. when it merged Afterpay, I went. I don't know what this new business is going to be. I don't know what's going to do. We we recommend a TouchCorp. We like TouchCorp, not this Afterpay thing. So we sold our TouchCorp shares. Oh, that would have that would have been a hundred bagger, right? Yeah, or, pretty much, pretty much. Oh, I mean, how do you? You can't. You well, can't I, pick I, yourself I up think with the, that. the thesis was. Know? I think there's two parts of the thesis. Quickly, the, the, the I don't. I have no problem selling it because it was a merged entity. We bought yeah. one business with one thesis. It merged, and became an entirely different business. Yeah, I could have held it out of a, an abundance of of inertia and apathy. Uh, it was the right thing to sell. Now I probably should have I could have looked at it and rebought it at some point where actually that's where things got something going for it it's, maybe it's worth buying but uh, yes no it's, a, it's just a, it's an awful awful outcome uh, you can't you can't dress it up uh, had I just been apathetic and said oh, we'll wait and see uh, yeah. it would have been a very very different outcome oh man yeah ugly on that anyway, note Bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about Bitcoin some point soon uh, we have to we do have to get on to it because it's actually not much is happening so it, it's not much to talk about but the fact that the price is moving is indicative of of movement at the station there are things happening in the Bitcoin world uh, that are worth spending a bit of time on when we get an opportunity yeah cool we'll, we'll do it one time let's do it in the meantime will you come back on Sunday Yes, try and stop me. Make sure you follow us on all the socials. Send us your email, questionsinfo at fool.com.au. We'll try and answer some of those on Sunday. But in the meantime, enjoy the beginning of your weekend and fool on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.